This week's amazing race recap is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. Every car comes with a share of stories like that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up your first date, that luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you save by riding your bike or an elephant all summer long while you can't put a price tag on your stories. Now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and Moonroof. Watch as they bump up your car's value. High mileage. You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or to trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car Today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob has a podcast and now here's the guy who never needs directions to remember to wear a shirt that covers his stomach. I am Rob Sesternino. Hello everybody. Welcome back to the first amazing race recap of Amazing Race 31 that I get to be a part of and I'm very excited to uh, be back with our amazing race team who have not yet been on reality tv first let me bring in our chief amazing race correspondent who she and i have been uh, is is this our 10 season anniversary jessica lease i think it is robert well actually no i think yeah yeah because we started with season 21 yes yes Yes, and here we are, season 31. Also, I, I realized the other day that this is my uh, 30 season anniversary since I was on Survivor. So uh, we're celebrating so much. Mazel Yes. Uh, and I shared that Survivor season uh, with the man who was uh, <laughs> kicked off the Amazing Race on this episode. And I'm very excited to uh, talk about it with a Survivor historian who's here with us as well, the great Mike Blue. Uh, Rob, if I could spell out how excited I am about this episode using Lao, it would be uh, gaw, daw, aw, jaw, with a little bit of awe at the end. Is this Brett LaBelle? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I had my car parked. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I think I might have just ordered something by accident. That was a good line. Phone. Good line from uh, Corinne on the uh, Laos alphabet. Okay. So Rupert and Laura are out on the amazing race. I had tweeted a poll on Wednesday afternoon which dynamic duo is least likely to be on our television sets in one week's time Rupert and Laura or Missande and Grey Worm on. Uh, Neither or both. Uh, so far, the <laughs> Rupert and Laura half of that came through. We'll have to wait for Sunday to see about the other half. Rob, does it does it count if one half of the duo gets eliminated on Game of Thrones? Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'm just intrigued because we'll see if the other pair, much like the first one, was done in by elephants. Because <laughs> one series seems to have a lack of them, while the other has an overabundance yes. of it. This was Cersei Lannister's favorite episode of The Amazing Race uh, by far, as the teams traveled to Laos. And ultimately, we lost uh, Rupert and Laura. That later on in this podcast, after we get done with our recap, you will hear my exit interview with uh, Rupert and Laura. And I found them to be in uh, great spirits. And I think that's a lot of fun. You should definitely 
uh, stick around to check that out at the end of the show. Mike, I know that you also spoke with Rupert and Laura for Parade.com. How was your conversation with Rupert and Laura? Rob, there are certain moments in, you know, the thing that I sort of stumbled my way into, they'll sort of look back and say, well, I really got to do that. And I would say getting to talk with Rupert Bonham about his time on The Amazing Race is sort of in that like uncanny valley of so inexplicably good. I can't believe I was able to check that off my bucket list that that was even an invisible item on it. I mean, it's it, there. They were a delight. I think to your point, given the circumstances that way they went out and on and especially the hilariously frustrating circumstances of the roadblock and particularly Rupert's performance. They were chipper as can be. I mean, maybe time sort of helped to uh, divorce their emotions from it, but it was really interesting to get their thoughts. I mean, they, I think they also kind of felt they were playing with house money a little bit, considering that their four hour jaunt in the park should have made them yes. the first team eliminated. And by the grace of, you know, the amazing race gods, they were God was able to get out of the bathtub and have them survive another leg. So they seemed in relatively good spirits for a team that essentially got undone or at least partially undone by an unruly elephant. Yeah, Jess, I, I would love it if you could give us some sort of a historical context on Rupert and Laura in terms of uh, placing them in the pantheon of uh, racing tandems because they had, you know, an all time poor performance in week one and were saved only by Art and JJ having the injury at the uh, Mount for the inflatable Mount Fuji <laughs> obstacle. Then this week uh, they had another last place finish, uh, finishing behind two teams that had to uh, both complete a double U-turn do, that. Do you have any way to rank Rupert and Laura? Well, I think, Rob, we did this a little bit last week. Mike and I talked about this. Um, it, it is definitely, I think, what we would consider a bottom five all-time Amazing Race performance. Uh, Rupert proved, I think, that he is as good at the Amazing Race as he is at Survivor. <laughs> Well, in fairness to Rupert, that I believe that uh, his first three times out, uh, three times in a row making the jury, his fourth time out has the, you know, unfortunate circumstance where he flips spots with Laura on a uh, day one on the mat vote out. So if we're just going by looking at the uh, the finishes, Rupert has uh, been a far are better survivor than an amazing racer he has been a better survivor he has lasted longer on survivor Mm -hmm. and i think the one thing we can agree on is that he has been the biggest character Mm -hmm. and i think he brought the same thing to the amazing race that he brought to survivor and at that he was extremely successful in all five of his reality show stints yeah i completely agree it's been so interesting to see a number of reactions from the community during these these couple of episodes. But one that I really noticed across the board was people saying, like, I've fallen back in love with Rupert. Oh, wow. Is this 2003 again? And I think I mean, I have always sort of been in love with the character of Rupert just because. And I, I, I say this with love, but he's a big old doof. <laughs> he's a big, doofy, pirate looking man. And the fact that we were able to really just put that character under a magnifying glass in the hot lotion sun is it's it's so much fun. Him with the elephant was just glorious TV. I think he just proves 
the things he was saying, the the uh, sincerity with which he was saying them, it makes Rupert, in my opinion, one of my favorite characters to watch, just from a pure soundbite perspective. And I'm so glad that people were able to appreciate that as well. Maybe you sort of have to take him out of an environment like Survivor, where he is sort of worshipped and idolized in a manner of speaking and put into another environment just to sort of see, oh, yeah. He's a he's a really kooky person, even when you put him in a different show. I just want to adjust. Did you have the same read on all this as Mike had? Um, I think I did because I think I just said something and Mike totally agreed with everything oh, I wow. said. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I did not see that same sort of response on social media, but uh, OK, with that, uh, we'll we'll go with it uh, to, to me that in, in, with all due respect to uh, Rupert and Laura, I, I thought that he did seem like that uh, he had uh, lost a few miles on the fastball to uh, to come back out. Rupert never had a fastball. <laughs> Rupert was a big character that came on to Survivor and st- remained the same person through four seasons of survivor and then brought that same person onto the amazing race. Mm-hmm. There, there's right. been like literally Rupert has not evolved whatsoever. <laughs> he's not the picture Rob. He's the mascot. <laughs> okay. All right. I want to get into uh, the double U turn here in this episode, which really loomed large over the entire episode, which even Rachel Riley pointed out was unusual to have in the second leg of the amazing race. And Jess, I thought that there was a, a lot of interesting uh, strategery that came out of uh, the uh, U-turn usage in this round. Well, this, I think, encapsulates the advantage that the previous amazing racers have coming in over the previous Survivor and Big Brother contestants. There's a level of strategy here that... I think the Afghanimals in particular brought in that nobody else was even thinking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. And I think it says something that all of the teams that were in the conversation of who to U-turn were former Amazing Racers. They all have each other clocked as threats. Yeah, it was really interesting because it turned into that it was like Amazing Race on Amazing Race crime where I think that we've got a glimpse, Mike, that maybe the Amazing Race teams are not looking at the Big Brother and Survivor teams as uh, viable winner threats. Well, that's what Rupert and Laura told me as well. I haven't listened to your interview yet with Rob, so I don't know if they told you the same, but they almost compared it to what we sort of talked about last week of it being essentially the first Amazing Race season that is partially the fans versus favorites format, the returning players versus new players in the spectrum of the Amazing Race in that, you know, yes, there are points where like the fans get particularly overwhelmed at the beginning while the favorites sort of cruise just due to the fact that they have prior experience. But once you get to that merge, favorites start to target each other because they're sort of disregarding the fans almost and saying, okay, we know that they're sort of, we'll put them on autopilot. I want to start, you know, gunning down the other planes that are flying by me to use an adage that's coming from another one of these shows. Uh, And so I think we really got to see it here. It is interesting, uh, you know, to your point, I think we saw the U-turn on the first leg of season 26, but outside of that, I don't think we've seen a U-turn until episode three. And I know it's a little bit like, Samantha semantics, but I feel like it's 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 actually pretty meaningful placement. It still feels like leg two to me is really in that realm of like just getting your seed legs in terms of a race course. So it does seem a bit early as to, you know, really playing your hand. It's interesting, Jess, you were talking about, you know, this really uh, helps show the amazing race players level of strategy. I don't know if it's a good level of strategy, but strategy nevertheless. Well, we'll see. I think. There were varying degrees of good strategy, but I think 
a lot of the talk that you saw between the Big Brother teams and the Survivor teams was all, who are we going to team up with? Who do we want to make an alliance with? And the Amazing Race teams are thinking, how do we get ahead? And how do we, you know, how do we throw roadblocks in other people's way so that we can continue to race? And I think that just shows like there's a very there's something that Survivor and Big Brother have in common that I think Amazing Race has never had on the same level. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that Amazing Race is the bastard stepchild of the CBS reality trifecta is because it's like you don't have that same sort of coalition building and uh, scheming to get each other out. It manifests in a really different way to the point where you saw one team actively doing a lot of underhanded scheming type things and being kind of vilified for it. Mm -hmm. And that was the Afghanimals. That was the Afghanimals. And I thought what they did was like a very, it was like a diet version of what you'd see on survivor or big brother. Mm -hmm. And people were just, they were out of their minds for about how they were lying. Like this was the reception that I saw on social media, like, Oh, they're, they're awful. They're, they're the villains. And that it's really weird because almost everyone that's talking about this, like that's in the conversation comes from the survivor and big brother worlds where that's like, that's like Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting for one thing. And I also, I thought it was, also very interesting to see, like at the very beginning of the leg, we see we see Team Fun talking to Rachel and Alyssa and thinking maybe they'll team up. And Team Fun is like on this for about five minutes. And they're like, no, nah, I think we're not going to do that. And then it was like this big drama thing. And it's so not amazing race. I guess it's amazing mm-hmm. race if Rachel is involved. Yes. But, it's, yep. but everybody else is just kind of like... I think especially the two teams that got U-turned were just like, let's get our heads down and race and not make a thing out of this. And it might be a thing later, but it was very interesting to me to see the the way that this kind of strategy and this kind of deception is received. Okay, so I want to touch on that conversation between Rachel and Alyssa and then Team Fun, where it was like, okay, let's work together. And then Rachel and Alyssa talked about how, well, they're Team Fun 2.0. And uh, I meant to send an angrily uh, worded uh, tweet to Rachel Riley that uh, I'm I'm a Brendan Viegas stan, and I don't appreciate all of this bashing of how great Rachel's going to be without Brendan that Brendan's a great guy leave him alone Alyssa stop bullying Brendan yes Brendan was really the albatross <laughs> that existed in Rachel's life who knew it's gonna so, be so fun again, without Brendan now Brendan's a fun guy okay though I mean the, the fun and nickname good. pretty much yes the, the nickname pretty much got demolished though when when it broke apart so I guess team fun 2.0 was dependent upon its parent mm-hmm. having a good relationship with the child. Now it's sort of like changing its last name and seeking its emancipation. Well, I wonder if maybe there was some sort of a rivalry of who is actually more fun. And then that really manifested at the mat. But just that, do you think that that is that a red herring there? I mean, Rachel is sort of the hybrid big brother and amazing race person. When she had the opportunity to use the U-turn, she seemed like she wanted to do it. Then Alyssa was like, Hey, no, let's not 
not do it. And then they talked themselves back into it. And then team fun was the target. And I know that something that you have said for uh, many years on these podcasts is, you know, never use the U-turn on somebody that is going to survive the U-turn. And I thought that that was a really curious choice to U-turn Becca and Floyd on this leg of the race. It was not a great choice. It was, it was a very, it was a very choice from the heart and not a choice from the head. And I think, but I think it was also a choice designed to maximize drama because as we know, maximizing drama is something that Rachel is very good at. And I think she probably spent, you know, they had 24 hours in between getting on their flight and getting to the U-turn board. It was a little more than 24 hours, I think. And she must have spent that entire day thinking about, okay, how am I going to maximize the conflict here and how am I going to create the best television because we know that's why she's here that's why they asked her back a third time and I have to imagine that a little fourth wall breaking went into the equation there but also she is an emotional player she always has been and I think that also if you put a U-turn board in front of somebody they're going to invent a reason to use the U-turn and that just happens to be the only thing that has happened to her so far and maybe the only thing that came up so at the U-turn board at that time, uh, Colin and Christy uh, were there as well. Uh, they did not U-turn anybody. And I think it was, was it Victor and Nicole, Mike? And they also did not U-turn yeah. anybody. But then we get a second wave of players. And then uh, that's when the Afghanimals and Becca and Floyd uh, show up at the same time. And the Afghanimals, uh, they uh, plant a, a Russell seed of, hey, why don't you guys you turn Tyler and Corey Jess this was great I mean it was not a great choice to do it but it was a great choice on the behalf of the Afghanimals to try take to a make shot. somebody yeah <laughs> take a shot at Tyler and Corey that they're not going to get blamed for and also have another team make a really bad decision mm-hmm. and have to face any potential blowback like that's the team you your turn Tyler and Corey that just brings down your own chances that you're going to survive the U-turn because they're very good racers. And they're not that far behind you. So I think this was like fourth dimensional chess yeah. that the Afghanimals were playing here. They're like, there's so many, there's, there's such upside to getting them to do this. And it's amazing that they were able to think that quickly in that moment to get them to do it. Yeah, Mike, I, I've been very impressed with the Afghanimals through uh, two legs and uh, not just because of their back to back first place finish. Have they evolved since uh, the uh, last two times they played? It was in uh, such quick succession that it's a bit of a blur that are, are they better now or is this what they used to do? So here's the thing for me, and I will couch this by saying that I completely agree that I think from an actual racing perspective, they are impeccable. I think that getting two first places in a row, especially with you know such a competitive cast and such a competitive group of amazing race teams in particular, is fantastic, especially with seven seasons off from the last time you played. And I think you're talking about a few things that they're doing pretty well, you know, even just small things like misdirections. Granted, this might be all snow snowballing into a larger thing. Should the next U-turn come around? That's sort of what bit them in the ass, you know, in season 23, at least when the U-turn board came around, but they were able to survive it. So I think from a playing perspective, I think it's definitely an evolution. However, I will say 
personally, from a personality perspective, they have devolved for me. I I Mm, think that's hot. We are back. I think we're back to season 23, Leo and Jamal, personally. Can you explain Uh, what that means? I I mean, essentially, they're team extra. Which is like the the loud shouting, the weirdly like even in the detour, Jamal was talking with a duckhead to the task man. Like it's all these things that you guys were calling them out for back in season twenty three. Of like, guys, you don't need to play to the camera. You don't need to be screaming every other word. Okay, we just want to see authentic personalities. Look what's going on with Brittany. Look what's going on with you know what Rachel and Alyssa are doing, what Chris and Brett are doing, Tyler and Corey. Like if you just act like yourself. You're going to endear yourself. And it feels like we talked about this before season 24. It seems like they really mellowed out. And I don't know if it's the circumstances of the race. I don't know if it's, you know, if it was just them doing back to back seasons, the fatigue of it all. But it seemed like they really mellowed out. And maybe it's just the energy from coming back and doing so well. But I feel like we've gotten back to those energy levels to the point where I'm my barometer might be off on social media when it comes to <laughs> Rupert and Laura, but but I think the uh, the phenomenon on the Afghanimal suggests his point is uh, promptly in the red section uh, or blue. I don't know exactly what the color coding is, if it's like the U.S. defense system. But I think it just might be because their, their antics were much more downplayed in season 24 than they were the first time around. And I feel like we've I've personally come back around to being them being a bit grating for me. Wow. Well, Mike, I wonder if this is maybe I just don't notice it as much because this cast is so packed with people that do the same thing like i haven't really clocked them being particularly aware of the cameras it kind of it feels they feel a lot more relaxed to me where i felt like on 23 they were like they'd be like jumping up and down to get the cameraman's attention and i think they don't actually necessarily care that much about how they're perceived um but i'm gonna have to go back and watch it again through that lens I mean, to your point about, you know, Rachel playing things up to the camera, do you not think they're playing up the Corinne and Eliza thing to the cameras? I 150,000% believe they're doing so. They're playing up the Afghanimals are or Corinne and Eliza are? The Afghanimals, the the team snake. I'm going to hit a snake with a blow dart weird metaphor. Like, I 100% think they're they are building this rivalry because they, they were weaving in front of a tuk-tuk. I, I personally think that, like, you know, I think these are all reality TV savvy people. They know how to make camera time. And I, I personally feel like what they're sort of getting into, which is entertaining. We can certainly get into it. But I can certainly see where a part of that season 23 I've getting. And again, I will say I'm not going to impugn their game at all because I think they're doing super well. But from a personality perspective for me, I, I, I kind of wanted to take a chill pill, you know, take a take a whatever the Xanax that these elephants, some of these elephants were taking in the roadblock and just like. Chill out, and I, I want to see you guys have fun, but not in a screaming, mentioning my cat every episode kind of way. Boy, uh, Mike, Mike's a dog person. <laughs> does not care for the Afghanimal antics, but uh, again, I, I thought it was a great move to then get Team Fun to uh, put the uh, U-turn on Tyler and Corey, because for my money, I think that Tyler and Corey are the biggest threats on the board. And then to uh, have them potentially, uh, there were moments in this episode, I thought that they might not have uh, been able, when they were sort of uh, the last team still at the barbecue, uh, I was worried about them, Jess. Yeah, it did look a little scary until you remember that Rupert and Laura are still out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If, it, if it's down to a foot race between mm-hmm. Tyler and Corey and Rupert and Laura, I'm not 
too worried. I, I think they would have had to quit a task in order for that to be competitive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so on that note, though, because I know we got a few questions about that. I mean, if Beck and Floyd were able to take a deep breath and sort of think through their options, you would think that the more ideal move to the JL rules point would be to U-turn Rupert and Laura, mm-hmm. no? That's exactly the correct move. Uh, 100%. It's not a very nice move, and that probably would be the reason that Team Fun didn't do it, apart from having people barking in their ear and being very extra about, you should just U-turn Tyler and Corey because they're a strong competition. I have to think that it, with that pressure going on, they just kind of did it to get it over with and get it out the door. But if they'd had cooler heads, if cooler heads had prevailed, they would have made the rational decision to U-turn a team that they're definitely not going to see again. Okay. Let's talk about the uh, detour here on uh, this leg of the race, which was the uh, ABC task versus the uh, BBQ task. And Jess, uh, I thought for my money that the uh, the barbecue task seemed like it was far easier to complete. Well, yeah, we got a few questions about this, specifically regarding the Afghanimals, where Jamal said that he studied linguistics. And so everybody was like, well, why didn't he go memorize the Lao alphabet? And it's like, well, because he clearly minored in the Amazing Race, <laughs> and he knew that this task is a task that they do every season in various locales around the world. The idea that you go and collect ingredients from a market and prepare them to be cooked, that's not a new concept. That's going all the way back to the beginning. Well, I couldn't believe that Rupert and Laura didn't take this task and instead went to go to the school and uh, and go and do this. And I, I asked them about this on the exit interview. Uh, Rupert said that he just wanted to be with the children. Yeah. I mean, Rob, are you not surprised that a man who has a charity called Rupert's Kids and, and a Twitter did not account see the word that. kids? Yeah. Yeah, and did not see the word kids and just immediately just started to getting tunnel vision and running towards that classroom. As yeah, but classic Rupert goes and works with fish and puts sticks through them. They probably could have a better job of uh, signing out what a fish was than Team Fun and the Afghanimals. They were struggling a bit to do. Australian Survivor, this is not with their charade mm-hmm. skills. I, I always enjoy when people get put into the middle of these giant open air markets, which of which there are many throughout the world, and have to convey whatever product they're looking for. Uh, So I I enjoyed the fish pantomime quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Jess, uh, how difficult in terms of these uh, amazing race memorization tasks did you think that this uh, learned the uh, Laotian alphabet? Well, I think it all depends on if you are at all acclimated to a tonal language. And I think the people that figured out what that hook was and figured out ways to get it to stick in their heads, I think those people did very well. I think we have to call out Corinne and Eliza here mm-hmm. who did an yes. amazing job on this with their mnemonics and they were also very funny. And Mike, I think this is where here are people that are naturally very funny. They were not playing to the cameras at all. They were playing to each other. And I think yeah, there's, completely a very, agree. there's a very big difference there. You could see the difference between them and all of the other teams that kind of jockey for camera time. I think they know they're just naturally going to get it if they ask, if they act like that. So I thought you're talking, talking about team fun uh, talking like whales when they do their their language. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. 
Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, listen, I think we need to get in the ground floor of Eliza and Corinne starting like a Rosetta Stone-like <laughs> way of learning a language based on the mnemonics. Because I just loved, you know, Corinne coaching Eliza through it. Like, oh, you got a bad handbag. How does that feel? Daw. Oh, but there's $20 inside. How does that make you feel? Ah! <sighs> you know, just sort of like they really utilize the symbols as well to go. Since I, I'm if I have not proved this, uh, you know, I've after five years of podcasting, I'm a very ignorant person when it comes to linguistics, especially. Were there symbols next to these words that were, is that what the words meant? Or was it like this word, this letter begins this word in the Laotian language? I think it's this letter begins uh, this word. I mean, I think that like uh, if you looked at like any like little kids like classroom, I feel like, you know, you'd have like the, the letter A with this like an apple next to it. So it's like what the the chicken egg cows instead of the ABCs. Mm-hmm. Sure, because those were the symbols, right? It was very it was very uh animal based. <laughs> I guess Laos is a very animal based country from what we've seen in our first job. Yes, there. no spiders though. I didn't see on the uh, alphabet chart. Maybe they just don't have them in Laos. No, maybe. <laughs> Bet they do. Um, but uh, Rupert and Laura, I thought Jess that they were going to be there through the end of time. I did not think that they were going to be able to complete this task, but they did it after a couple of tries. And I think that nobody was more surprised than Rupert when they were able to get this task completed. Thank you! Thank you! <laughs> we did something! <laughs> well, I, I want that as a ringtone. That's the best. <laughs> we did something. Uh, there was a clip from earlier in the episode that I didn't play about uh, Rupert and Laura were off on their way and uh, even uh, just uh, getting to Laos was uh, taxing for Rupert and Laura. Five o'clock in the morning and I'm already sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> he laughs like a cartoon character. It's delightful. How much mayo is he eating? Did you save your mayonnaise? Oh, I'm so glad you pulled that. I had that. to. I had to after last week. Uh, I know. I I love it. I also love. I don't know if you guys looked at like checked the uh, the departure time because they. I feel like they don't really show it that much in modern day Amazing Race. But from my calculations, they were a good three and a half hours behind Leo and Jamal. So I mean, they really were struggling in that park last time. They were happy about that one flight to Laos. Yeah, I mean, did, how many times did they just get completely saved of that? They had the whole thing with Art and JJ. Then they completely wiped out the time deficit to get them on the plane. And so they had like a, a complete flat footed start here again with uh, the second leg. And then two double U-turns were used against other people and it still did not work out for them. I'll leave it to Rupert and Laura to beat the odds. <laughs> beat the odds. <laughs> okay, so uh, we had the the two amazing race. Uh, you know, uh, the, these amazing race teams are all uh, r- really loaded here that are back, and we had Team Fun and Tyler and Corey who uh, both had to deal with the uh, U-turn. They started on uh, opposite sides of it, and then ultimately would end up uh, switching. But Jess, uh, I thought that both of these teams uh, really uh, showed their medal in this leg of the race. Yeah, they absolutely did. And I think it, a lot of it is because they just put a, aside all of that, like, how dare they U-turn us and who are we working with and who is against us? And they said, well, we just have to get it done. Like, let's knock them out. And they did it. Yeah. Uh, 
overall, uh, I feel like, uh, Mike, there was not much to uh, talk about here in Barbecue Alley. No, it seemed like, you know, it was your typical, hey, here's a display. Take care of it. I think the one thing that, you know, I- I'm I'm a little sad in it that Janelle and Brittany are a bit more underplayed than I think we're used to, given the fact that they're pretty big brother characters in their own right. But there's a really fun moment where in a very sweet episode for Victor and Nicole overall, you know, oh, Nicole so sweet. Tells Victor, so it's so sweet. Absolutely. And so when Nicole tells Victor, you know, you're doing such a great job. I love you, babe. Uh, you know, Brittany sort of muses the same thing to Janelle and they chuckle to each other, mm-hmm. you know, and that's and that's on not having 14 hours of sleep. So hopefully they can keep thinking that quickly with the snarky remarks throughout the entirety of the season. <laughs> yes. Just uh, anything jump out to you about Barbecue Alley? Um, I liked Colin getting a scale in his eye and mm-hmm. gave them an inroad to talk some more about how they've embraced meditation i feel like if colin in 2004 had gotten a scale in his eye he would have burned down the market yeah yeah that that chef that would have been giving him the clue would have been missing a hand if colin got a scale in his eye yeah jess i have been pretty disappointed with colin and christy uh so far to this point in the race because based on everything that i heard about them coming into this and i was uh not an amazing race five viewer that this is going to be a team they are uh explosive fireworks watch out here they come sure they're allegedly into meditation now let's see how long this lasts well that super zen and chill and relax is uh not doing it for me so far on the amazing race well rob i think we're playing the long game here. mm-hmm I mean, they keep hitting it with a hammer every episode. We are calm. We radiate love. We're all about Zen. That's got to hit a breaking point at some point. And I just hope that we are building and building and building. And all of the pressure is going to crack Colin open like the broken ox that we know he is. Serenity now, insanity later. And there, there were, there are some fun moments in them playing off the other racers. I did love. Christy trying to talk everyone off the elephant ledge, as it were, of like they respond really nicely to positive, bright commentary. And she, the people she's saying this to are Corinne and Brittany. <laughs> like they are like on the complete opposite end of that piece of advice. So I feel like they might do well playing off of those others. Uh, but I also agree with Jess. Hopefully it's a ticking time bomb because I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like one of those, you know, survivor players are like, I'm going to pl- be playing a completely different game this time. And they get in there. And once the elements wear you down, and the kapil- killer fatigue sets in. You find yourself resorting to the same old antics. Maybe that's something that happened with the Afghanimals as well. All right. Well, let's talk about then uh, the second uh, part of this episode, which uh, was uh, the this is the roadblock. Am I right about this, Jess? Uh, yeah, there was okay. a roadblock after that. And okay. at first it was kind of unclear. It felt like, oh, it's going to be like a root marker. But no, it, yeah. it turns out to be. We, we get angry tweets if I get that wrong. So uh, this last. No, is- I get angry tweets if you get that. Wrong. <laughs> OK, well, then I don't want you to get angry. Everyone tweets. just seems to take a deep breath, radiate energy. <laughs> yeah. Just remember that like the monks. We are holding space for everyone's collective consciousness and we are uh, blasting out love and compassion to the world. Okay, with a blow dart. Uh, So (laughs) the elephant task, uh, Laos is the land of a million elephants. And and I have to say that uh, I I was, uh, you know, uh, really, I thought this was uh, so much fun, Mike. I I was dazzled by the elephants. I mean, similarly to the contestants. And it is something about, you know, it's great to put people like, Nicole, and you would say on paper, Rupert, 
in very different ways in front of those elephants because these are this is while the amazing this amazing race season doesn't necessarily harken back to like hey here are normal people going out and experiencing the world this is still that kernel of that of people saying i've never been outside the u.s before now i get to stand in front of a freaking elephant and this was a lot of fun granted it does sort of base things a bit on luck and you know choice of elephant even though i do wonder if you know, if the inflection of the commands they were giving actually had any influence, <laughs> as the trainers were uh, sort of saying. But it was I think it was a good time for things to really stop down for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, as Victor was saying, it was like the slowest foot race ever. And we got to just basically watch everyone interact with and get frustrated with animals. If we're if we missed that out from Colin's perspective, we got it in spades in this episode to make up for it. Now, Jess, I, I don't know about you, but I found this episode of the Maze Race to be uh, super informative because every morning I struggle with uh, getting my kids off to school. But I found that after watching the Amazing Race last night, that with my newfound instruction, I was uh, very much more thorough in terms of Dominic. Let's get ready for school. Pie pie, pie pie. <laughs> pie pie let's go i think you, your son is probably going to think that you have pie in the car rob and that's <laughs> yeah, why he's that getting is 100% it so quickly. what mine would think <laughs> pie pie uh, it worked it worked uh, yeah well, it's all it's all in how you it's all in your inflection it's all in your tone <laughs> if you project an authoritative air it doesn't matter what you say they'll listen to you pie pie yeah, so that was uh, very <laughs> worked worked very well. Got everybody ready and off to school uh, this morning <laughs> across the river. Yes, yes, uh, Mike. It was Nicole's dream to uh, see an elephant. Yeah, I mean, this was like legitimately sweet. Oh my and I, god, I, Mike! I look. Here's the thing: the weird thing about Victor and Nicole is that they have to do a lot of filling in. Because I love that even in the Big Brother footage they saw, they took like the three seconds that Nicole had her hands on Victor over the course of Big Brother 18. It said like, who's Corey? She was with Victor the entire time. Mike, we're, to- we're not talking about that. Oh I apologize, gosh. Nicole. Oh, my but, God. You know, it's, it was it was I thought it was really sweet to see the two of them. They had a good leg. But, you know, the the fact that they were being really cute with each other did legitimately warm my, the cockles of my heart. <laughs> Whoa. Well, you know, bye, bye. Mike, I have to say, I'm really <laughs> overthinking. Uh, like, I am rethinking my choice not to draft them because I like them so much. And I this is coming from someone who actively kind of has some distaste for Big Brother that gets me into trouble on the Internet. Um, I did watch this season and I didn't like Victor at all. I thought he was kind of he's kind of skeezy and he the fact that they kept voting him out and he kept coming back in and he there's a point in one of the very early episodes of that season where he's trying to hit on nicole and she's not having Mm -hmm. it and i'm like oh he's that guy (laughs) and it turns out that outside of the big brother house once they got to know each other organically without the pressure cooker of reality tv around them they turn out to be really sweet people that are you know if they hadn't had this big brother past, they'd be welcome in any season of the amazing race. And they're just, I like the way they are with each other. I like their approach to the race. I like that they are open to anything. The fact that Nicole has never been out of the country and this is her first taste of travel. I think that's really fun too. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, So I, I love them. And I, 
I really regret that they wound up on your team, Rob. No, I I love them so much, and I'm so happy they're on they're on my team, and they are so they are so sweet, and they've got everything going for them, and that they are lovey dovey all the time. And they never have a, a tense word for each other. And that's it's great TV. If they have a tense word for each other, it's pie pie. <laughs> why? OK, D- do you do you think maybe the reason why Nicole is so chipper is because two legs in she has yet to wear a costume? <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, so uh, the teams the teams are on the elephants. Uh, I mean, I, there was not a ton to break down here in terms of the uh, teams ultimately going across the river and on the elephants. Uh, well, Rob, can I point out? Yes. This roadblock had literally zero bearing on finishing order. Like they could have cut the task entirely and everybody would have shown up the mat in the same order that they left the detour. Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, I would say that it made Team Fun fall a little bit behind. Right. Because I think that the main storyline is that Rupert's elephant was uh, the, the, you know, the, the the slowest one. But I think Becca's was a close second. And I would say that were it not for the elephant, Team Fun would finish a bit higher than second to last. But other than that, yeah, it does really seem like especially when they were segmented in packs. I guess that was an unintended consequence was that the elephants sort of packed in together. Uh, everyone sort of ended up finishing in that middle around the same time. And it's also editing, Mike, because it's also, I think there may have been a moment where everybody's elephant stopped to have a snack, but we saw the ones that maximized the drama. You know, in talking to uh, Rupert and Laura, I, I had asked about if they had a sluggish elephant and Rupert had said that uh, that it seemed like the first people to come got the best elephants. And uh, again, that uh, I don't know how much of that is a uh, rationalization, but I do think it makes some sense where like the uh, friendliest, most like a uh, go getter elephants were the ones that got drafted first. And it's like a uh, schoolyard pick where <laughs> the elephants that would not move out of the stable were the ones that ended up getting picked last. How do you even tell which elephant is good? <laughs> if they come up I- to see you. Yeah, if you say pie pie and they come over quickly. I mean, I think Rupert sort of got the like most degraded pair of bowling shoes of an elephant when he went to the lanes last and he had to he tried to bowl a 300, but he ended up bowling like an 80 at the end of the day. Okay, well, let's talk about the saga of uh, Rupert and the elephant, which (laughs) ends up being the uh, final act of this season uh, or or of the uh, Rupert and Laura Amazing Race story. And so uh, Rupert was going to get onto uh, his elephant. Uh, I was surprised just that it was Rupert who took this on and not uh, Laura, who probably weighs less than Rupert, I would imagine. I don't think they were thinking in terms of what is going to be easiest on the elephant or what is going to be fastest. But I think Rupert was thinking, what is going to put me most in touch with my long loved spirit guide? Yes. All right. Well, let's listen to uh, Rupert on the elephant. And this is a, uh, a great clip. It's kind of long. It's cut from uh, a few different moments that are all edited together in the episode. But this is uh, a great Rupert monologue aboard the elephant. Hey, come on. We didn't come here to lose. He loves elephants. I don't think he loves that elephant. Please, baby, please. Yes, I love elephants. Everybody's passing us. We're in last place. Elephants have been my spirit guide for my life. You are killing me. They represent that strength that I've always wanted. I can't end on an elephant. 
I love you too much. <laughs> now, that was not edited by me. That is uh, 26 seconds from last night's Amazing Race. Wow. Oh, I mean, I I want to put... I mean, I, I does it can't end on an elephant. I love it too I love you too much. That might barely make the Mount Rushmore Ripper quotes. It's a late can't entry. End on but an I, elephant. I love you too much. <laughs> the, the desperation in his voice. Like I really I really believe it. He's selling it. <laughs> That's the thing. He's so damn sincere. And the fact that he is caressing this elephant, try, I was already trying to put in a headlock to get it to listen to him. It's just I love the inner splicing as well of Laura just being like, oh, he loves elephants. And you have Ripper just be like, God, please help me. Please. I just need you to move one inch, please. I love you too much. Yeah, uh, I could have used a few pie pie. Well, I have a little bit of I have a little bit of cosmological theorizing to go yes. with. Rupert's journey here. Now, Rupert was looking at this like the elephant couldn't be the way he goes out. It couldn't be his undoing because elephants are his spirit guides. Mm -hmm. I'm going to posit that the universe knows how much Rupert feels connected to elephants and allowed him an extra leg more than he should have had so that he could have this life changing oh. experience on the elephant. And the elephant continues to guide him. Hmm. So you think that was like Rupert's make a make an amazing race wish? I think yeah, yeah I, absolutely, hundred percent. I think I think it was the cosmos of the amazing race conspiring to put Rupert on an elephant for his own enjoyment <laughs> yeah. as well as ours. And the universe apparently really hates Art and JJ. The universe prioritizes because Art and JJ didn't specify a spirit guide. Mm. <laughs> uh, Rupert. Then we come back from commercial break. Uh, then uh, we pick it right back up with uh, Rupert on the elephant. This is supposed to be enjoyable. You are my elephant guide and you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> These are like if the room was written about animals. I feel like this is what the script would look like. <laughs> you're tearing me apart, elephant. <laughs> Pie pie. <laughs> Sad Rupert. That's the thing as well. Like he ditched the pie pie. He just went to God. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on, God. So he's Keith now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's let's end the uh, extinction island metaphors. No elephant trunk jokes, Mike. Okay. I will try not to. Though I do have some other Rupert footage that I might be liable to play that might be a bit full blue, but we want to indulge. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> um, but oh Jess, uh, any, anything else seeing up from the uh, elephant task? Um, I think we have we have covered the elephant task insofar as an elephant task needs to be covered. I think I've made my feelings on it clear. It was very wonderful TV. I liked the character moments that it brought out of everybody, especially Rupert. I thought I thought Brittany had some really great moments as well. Yeah, uh, which we don't have to quote her out of context but i thought that was great <laughs> yes yes uh <laughs> you don't need to go full bloom uh about that uh no. i thought corinne on the elephant was also uh, a very uh fun visual to see yeah i think that uh there there are a couple that were really fun to just watch again like corinne and Brittany putting the two snarkiest 
people probably on that race on an on a and something they cannot control a lumbering animal mm-hmm. i think just leads to fantastic sound bites and also critter and eliza just really had an up and down week as well after pretty much you know looming in the back of the pack being their own elephant like pace last leg they were out to so many different leads and squandered it so many times they built a rivalry it seems like this has really been a big coming out party in terms of uh tv airtime for corinne and eliza these past two weeks yeah uh, the moment when all of the teams were in the water on the elephant, uh, just I just thought that w- that was uh, really incredible to to watch. I, I didn't really get a chance to talk about the first episode, but uh, I thought that the first episode, while it was fun to have all of these uh, teams back, in it, I, I thought it was a little low rent the overall uh japan leg where okay it was fun the okay these shoes uh made of wood or made of chocolate but you know scale the inflatable bounce house uh when phil started talking about mount fuji is one of japan's uh tallest natural landmarks and we're gonna be going to a park where there's a replica that's inflatable that the teams will have to climb up that's covered in slime this is like that park that they went to. I think it was in China that was all the tiny scale models of the different <laughs> yeah. landmarks around the world. But I, I felt like that the teams on elephants, like in a river, that uh, to me, I, I felt like that this was uh, the uh, kind of stuff that makes uh, the Amazing Race fun and good. Yeah, it's the obverse of the coin for sure. And it was, I think we've talked before about how you kind of have a sliding scale of you know, tasks that are hard for the racers and tasks that make good television and tasks that are going to be fun. And every task is some measure of all of those things. And some of them succeed at all of the things and some of them succeed at none of the things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So after the elephant task, then uh, we had uh, one last step on this leg where we had to uh, get to the mat and Phil was uh, set up at what, what was this place, Mike? Prince Fetzaroth's palace. Yes. Okay. So there was a lot of drama on the way to uh, the mat in terms of uh, first place where the Afghanimals were at it again. And this time they duped uh, Victor and Nicole by uh, one of their classic Afghanimal moves, Mike, where they told Nicole to go the opposite way. Yeah, essentially it was a nice uh, look over there maneuver right out of classic yeah, well, that's the thing. You say they tricked Victor and Nicole. They kind of only tricked Nicole. Mm. So I guess we could add them on the babe, list of like Derek. Babe, damn babe, it. No, no. Get this yeah. way. So now I guess it's what? It's Derek Lavasser and the <sighs> Afghanimals in terms of people that can trick Nicole Franzel. <laughs> uh, let's, we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, it's a very short list. But uh, yeah, I mean, they 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 did a very good fake out and they were able to get a successful uh, second first place in a row because of that I, I give them all the kudos in the world for doing that. Uh, and it seems like they took it in good stride. We'll see if that, you know, if it ends up biting him in the butt later. I feel like if it was maybe another team, they probably would have uh, been more acrimonious about it. But it seemed like, again, this very goodwill chill Victor and Nicole are like, yeah, it was our bad. We shouldn't have listened to you. You take your twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Just was this uh, a, a smart move by the Afghanimals or was this uh, short sighted on their part? I mean, it was a little hashtag basic for my tastes, but it worked, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it got the results. They're 
they got $2,500 they didn't have before. Right. And I think it was, I did kind of like, there was a little bit of incredulity on Victor and Nicole's part of like, oh, are people doing that? Is that a thing that happens on this show? And it's like, come on, you've been on reality TV before. People are going to deceive you. You guys uh, played with uh, Pauli Calafiore the first time. You should know a thing or two. Well, now does that make the Afghanimals haters officially? <laughs> that they, will they will they help put money in her bank account? Yeah, they are not. They are not ride or dies. Well, no, they put money in their own bank account. Yeah, that's right. But Jess, do you see that there being a downside where then could uh, Leo and Jamal be the victims of a U-turn then uh, along the way because of uh, a prank like this? Well, you got to be behind someone to get U-turned, right? Ooh. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying, I think a lot of those rivalries end up being kind of overblown because there's not a whole lot you can do about it in any given moment um, you can't vote them out you could you turn them if they're behind you but i think with a team as strong as the afghanimals it's a big if i'd probably you turn them anyway if they were behind me i don't think it'll have anything to do with pranks or not pranks yeah the, the one caveat though is they don't know about this but we know about this we're gonna have a u-turn vote and they may have unintentionally possibly put themselves in the line of fire. That being said, they talked about this last episode. I think they were the first team to survive two U-turns in a season. So I think even if they were thinking about facing a U-turn, I don't know how scared they are, to be quite honest, nor should they be. Okay. So ultimately, that's the only drama we uh, get on the way to the finish line. It's uh, the Afghanimals in first place, and then uh, Victor and Nicole end up in second place. And then we have a, a big bunch at the finish line where Rachel and Alyssa show up, and then they're followed very quickly by Colin and Christy, uh, Janelle and Brittany, Corinne and Eliza, and then Tyler and Corey. We stop for a minute to uh, celebrate them, Jess, as they uh, got through their U turn in this leg yeah they ran a pretty much perfect leg which they kind of acknowledged that was what they were going to have to do once they knew they got u-turned and they did it yeah good for them okay uh then chris and brett mike i thought it was a a quiet episode for uh chris and brett this week yeah i mean look they did not have the they did not have you know the embarrassing uh faux pas like brett faced last episode which i definitely want to get your thoughts on rob as a good friend of brett what you personally thought did you go as crazy as survivor twitter did watching brett have to scale inflatable slimy (laughs) mount fuji twice so I watched the episode. I was on a plane flying back from the Philadelphia know-it-alls, and I just audibly gasped when he climbs up to the top and then just is like, well, I'm going to come down now. Like, uh, I was like, oh, no. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe that that had happened. I guess nah, the seventh letter, I believe, in the Lao alphabet. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. And when Rupert came out in the leotard, I just like burst out <laughs> laughing on the flight. Uh, I mean, I hope they kept that outfit for the way home just because, again, if that that's Rupert's mascot outfit if he's uh, on this baseball team. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty crying night for Chris and Brett. There's a fun secret scene where apparently the only pair of pants they brought on the race was jeans. So they ran this whole leg in skinny jeans. Uh, and there what? was a fun... Yeah, that's there's a secret scene where they said, well, because remember this filmed in the summer last summer. So they're like, okay, we probably won't be going anywhere cold. Let's make sure we bring shorts exclusively. But as that clue said, which brought out teams fun, fantastic Hawaiian shirts, they had to wear 
clothing that was essentially covering their body. So they had to break out the pants. And so they were walking around in denim, a la, you know, your Tim and Danny or the firefighters from last season. So they were running around in jeans. Uh, I think Chris, Brett and Elephant Brett all did a good job here. Okay. They they clearly didn't listen to any of our podcasts about this show, Rob, because if they had, they would have heard me rant about jeans at least five different times <laughs> over the years. Yeah, well, uh, Rupert himself had a bad experience uh, with denim in the Pearl Islands, Mike. Yeah, you don't want to get it wet, Brett. Believe me. <laughs> I can make you a skirt out of my unitard. Denim is not my spirit animal anymore. I'll tell you that right now. Please, Dad, please, Denim, please work with me. It can't end on jeans. I I love you too much. Uh, in fairness to Brett and Chris, uh, that from uh, what Brett has said, that uh, that they, I think that they were uh, in the casting uh, mix, and then they were out, and then I think at the last minute they got called back in. So I think that we have to forgive them if they did not get the uh, prep down exactly right, Jess. Yeah, but how long does it take you to like pop into REI and buy yourself some ripstop nylon pants with the zippers on them? Yeah, I really don't think they had a ton of time before they knew they were going to be going to go do this. I I think CBS was banking on you and Steven going on until the very last minute. (laughs) No, definitely not uh, that being the case either. Uh, So, all right. uh, Then uh, we have uh, Chris and Brett uh, and then Becca and Floyd. uh, Same thing as Tyler and Corey, Mike, uh, a a really strong leg from uh, Becca and Floyd, who uh, I haven't said it yet on this uh, podcast, but I really do enjoy having them back on my TV. Yeah, I mean, they are super fun, even when Becca was in a stressful situation. You know, we saw a glimpse of a differing mood in season 29 when Floyd lost the passport and Becca aggroed for a second. But otherwise, I think what they did in the face of pressure is why they're given the name Team Fun and why no one else has uh, successfully co-opted their nickname is because they're able to take it and say, push through it. I think they were the ones that really did successfully with the U-turn to the point where they passed three teams mm-hmm. on the way to the roadblock just through being able to, to get through it all. So I think, you know, they pretty much ran a perfect leg as well. Sans, you know, the elephant just slowing poor Becca down. Yeah. And then uh, Rupert and Laura ultimately get to the end. Uh, just what do you think of Phil's parting words for Rupert and Laura? <laughs> I think Phil is going to be really sad to see them go. <laughs> well, uh, Phil was like, well, the bad news is that you, you've been eliminated. But uh, the good news is, well, you're still together. <laughs> the good news is the amazing race <laughs> did not divorce you. Well, Phil has seen people break up on the mat. Yeah. <laughs> is that what he was hoping for? Was he trying to get that to happen, Jess? I I don't know if he ever hopes that that's going to happen but clearly since that was all he could talk about when we talked to him i feel mm-hmm. like rupert and laura must have made quite the impression on him. yes rupert is uh, such a big ego according to phil as big as an elephant yes uh, i love him too much <laughs> as he says in the mirror every day mm. okay all right uh jess uh do you want to dive into any questions we got from listeners on twitter Oh, we, we got so many questions. It was like my Twitter's been blowing up all day. Okay. Well, anything that we have not answered uh, in the podcast tonight, let's let's. Well, a uh, question that we got in. from a lot of people. Yes. A lot of people asked us what would be our spirit animals. Mm. And we could ask Kim Spradlin or we could go and like take the <laughs> well, quiz on animals. Well, I think she tells you what you look what like. Am- yeah. 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 
I guess that's the question. Is your spirit animal what you look like or what you act like? Mm. Now, Mike, what do you uh, and Liana do on the B&B? What is that? A quiz of like what animal we go you to, are? We go to some chintzy website that was made back in the GeoCities days called AnimalAndYou.com. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you take a quiz of five arbitrary questions and they assign you one of like <laughs> seven different animals. So I believe I was given sheep. Uh, so I, I don't know if I want to call myself a sheep is my spirit animal, especially given the negative connotation that that and goats have gotten. So I figured we could go to other, you know, kingdom Philomore classes in uh, Animalia to figure out exactly what our spirit animals are. <laughs> Jess, do you have a spirit animal? I do have a spirit animal. What is uh, it? I, I have given this probably more thought than it deserves. Uh, my spirit animal is the Galapagos giant tortoise. Oh, Ooh. why? Uh, because they are tenacious and they are slow moving. They're smarter than they look. Um, they make very funny faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- they they have a great story, and I've I've been fascinated by them my whole life. And then I got to go to the Galapagos and see them, and they are as awesome as I thought they were going to be up close. I feel like that's indicative of myself as well. Okay. Um, I think that my uh, spirit animal is going to be uh, Mike uh, Sir Squiddington. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Just don't let Ken get to you. Uh, let's see. What would mine be? Uh, I don't know. A duck? A duck. Why a duck? <laughs> is it a horse-sized duck? Yeah, it could be a, it could be a, a thousand duck-sized horses is yeah. my spirit animal. <laughs> Better than a mosquito. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love the relationship I have with ducks. No, I'm, I quack a lot. Uh, I like to I have a big nose, which I guess is like a bill. Uh, I enjoy bread mm-hmm. off, sometimes off the ground. So I guess if I could if I could find an animal in me, it'd be a duck. Yeah. So we got a question from the Melissa bot that says following the resounding success of the Tarkan six kiss count. Shall we do a high five count for Rachel and Alyssa? Did you guys notice how Rachel and Alyssa essentially ended every one of their sentences by high fiving this past episode? I did not. I did not. It was very like populated in the very beginning of the episode when they were talking about the team fun stuff, which, again, was a very interesting tone <laughs> desperation where they would say, like, team fun really grinded our gears. High five. Like, oh, no, we could just work with each other. High five. Like, it seemed like they didn't really know how to end their sentences. And so they just decided to keep high fiving each other. Mm-hmm. High five. That's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll watch for it uh, next week. If anybody wants to go back and do a, a counter, please let us know. I'm assuming it's higher than five. Yes. Uh, that, take the over. Take the over on, on that one. Um, Jess, uh, Mr. Robot Taren wants to know, do you prefer Zen Colin and Christy or the arguing, bullying, super aggro Colin and Christy of season five? As a uh, Colin and Christy historian, which version have you preferred? I mean, is there any question? I mean, Colin brought us the most iconic moment of the entire Amazing Race franchise. You gotta love Agro Colin. Yeah, I mean, I I love Agro Colin. I feel like it's good for his mental health that he's a lot calmer and good for his relationship. But it's sort of like, I would almost compare this to like when they brought back Kelly Wigglesworth for Survivor Second Chances, where it's like, it's really fun to see you back. You're like an OG legend of the game. At the same time, you're not exactly you're you're a different person. Understandably so. It's been a number of years, but you almost want to like feel you want to like crystallize them in amber 
and not the uh, two-time amazing uh, racer. In, yeah, exactly, in the 14 years in between, uh, and just have them just come out pristine and ready to go. Another thing I noticed about Colin is with his short hair, he's looking a little Johnny Mackish, in my opinion. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I heard this was a Big Brother crossover! <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine him on the elephant? <laughs> <laughs> Let me check out this elephant's teeth! Uh <laughs> So, yeah, for Colin and Christy, I, I said it earlier, but just uh, that uh, I, don't, I don't want people that are well adjusted or zen on my television screen. Uh, I like watching people that are going to uh, fight with the other teams, fight with each other. If you're getting along with each other and you're getting along with everybody and you're also not funny, I don't have a ton of use for you as a person on my reality TV screen. I mean, it's it's a fair point. I don't, but I also at the same at the same time, I don't necessarily want every single person on my TV to be straight out of the bad girls. Club. That's fine, but uh, Team Fun is they they're fun, they're funny. Uh, I, yeah. I I like them. Afghan animals. They're 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 bringing something. Tyler and Corey, but that uh, they're they're being fun. That you know, uh, if I don't have the nostalgia for Colin and Christy, wh- what am I getting out of them? Yeah, and I would argue that even those of us that did watch season five don't get that either because they've shown up and they're like Tim Robbins in High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. They're just like sitting there while everything is imploding around them being like, conflict resolution is my specialty. And I'm not I'm not really here for it. I need this to pay off. And I am confident that at some point it will pay off. But we just have to kick back and enjoy all of these other teams around us and wait for that moment to come. Yeah, fight, tell a joke, do something. And it might be that they're very funny, they're just very dry, and we just got to wait for something to come out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we got a question from uh, Michael Shea. Oh, the the, the SNL writer, Michael Shea? (laughs) I don't think so. No, it wasn't as nearly as combative if it had been that Michael Shea. It's Michael Shea. <laughs> okay. says, do you think Rupert actually finished the alphabet with flying colors, or was it a result of fatigue by the teacher and students? <laughs> he wasn't there for that long. Well, he wasn't there for that long, according to the editing. Um, and I think with some of these tasks, like if they only had the elephant sanctuary for a certain number of hours, and they knew Rupert and Laura were on their way out anyway... They might have. Don't We've take this away from them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not subscribing to the Billy Madison theory of how Rupert just sort of got passed through the grades because they wanted to get him onto something else. You think he really did something? Yes, he did something. Don't take it. Don't take it away from them, people. Thank you. We did something. But we've seen it happen before where there's a team that's very far in back and they just sort of wave them through the task because the production needs to shut it down. Well, you know what was really weird was uh, Becca and Floyd, we saw them at the uh, at, at the uh, market and then, OK, time to do the other task. And then we just saw them like going like, OK, you got it. I mean, I, I was like, did I walk away from the show? Did, did I miss something? I think it's not that interesting after you've seen it a couple of times. Uh, I guess so, but I, I, I know they flew through it, but it was like, all right, uh, trust us, they got it. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing about Amazing Race editing as well. I know that's what uh, Ali Latcher has been talking about very recently on the Challenge podcast, how it's tougher to edit, you know, 
uh, teams that have to do the same task, but one after the other, as opposed to everyone's doing the task at the same time. And so it can become a bit more repetitive. So I appreciate when they sort of yada yada through this stuff and get to more character moments, because as we talked about before, this is a cast that is chock full of characters. And if I had to choose between like watching them, you know, recite the Lao alphabet or, you know, watch Brett and Chris muse about something or Brittany and Janelle talk about how uh, running uphill is suddenly a good strategy all of a sudden. I, I think I'd rather take the latter. Jess, uh, were there any other things from this episode that you feel like we didn't get to? Uh, I feel like we've covered quite a lot of ground. Uh, there was a game that Mike had prepared, Ooh. I believe. Yes. So I couldn't help but keep my uh, my B&B jeans on. As I moved to the amazing <laughs> Your skinny race jeans? My skinny jeans. I got to say, they fit pretty well for a duck. Uh, I'm going to play a game, and hopefully this will become a recurring segment every week. We talked about this last week. It was mentioned before in the podcast. It is known that once upon a time, there was a chance that the know-it-alls, Rob Cesarino and Stephen Fishback, could have been on The Amazing Race 31. And we have received a good amount of questions both last week and this as to what what would Rob and Stephen have done if they were in this situation. I thought maybe we could turn this into a weekly segment slash game that I like to call the Know It Alternate Universe. Okay. And how it works is every week, Jess and I are going to talk through it and we're going to figure out, you know, this week, for example, uh, do we think Rob and Steven would have you turned anybody? What detour option would they have taken? And who would have done the roadblock? (laughs) Based on what we know about our two intrepid uh, heads of this podcast here. And, and, and what's my role in this? You're going to essentially be the arbiter of our fate. Okay. You get to let us know. It's sort of like a weird newlywed game where one half of the couple is absent and then the other one is sort of speaking on behalf of both of them, uh, where you have to determine whether or not Jess and I are on the mark as to what you actually think okay. uh, you would have done in that situation. Okay. So, Jess, I, I, let's start by talking through the U-turn. Do you think Rob and Steven in this situation and people can play along at home as well? Uh, would you think they would do you think they would have used the U-turn? Well, Mike, do you want do you want a shady answer or do you want <laughs> um, do you want what are my actual thoughts? Well, we always want the shady answer. first. Yeah. The shady answer is they would have been too far back in the pack. Oh, and they wouldn't have had a chance. To they, they were all on the same flight. Yeah. OK, so I think in fairness, I think you might. I don't think you would have used the U-turn, but I think if it was down to like you and Rupert and Laura, you would have remembered the JL rules and you would have U-turned. Oh, Rupert definitely. And Laura. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to the detour. I feel like Rob accidentally showed his hand a bit before. Uh, so, you know, he didn't try to miss unless he tried to mislead us like the Afghan was pointing us in the wrong direction. But do you think they would have taken ABCs or BBQ, our intrepid know-it-alls? I think they would have discussed it. I know that Rob is not a fan of food, (laughs) so he may have had an impulse to go to the ABCs, but I think ultimately they would have chosen the BBQ task just on the basis of it sounding much easier than having to memorize an alphabet. Mm -hmm. I agree, but it would have been an interesting thing to have the task judge be, well, listen, you arrange the ducks great, but they're very boring. Can you, like, spice them (laughs) up a little bit? No, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, We could have given Stephen the fishy. Uh, Stephen probably (laughs) would have wanted to go and uh, learn the alphabet so that he could uh, potentially uh, talk about uh, the uh, any Laotian novels on the uh, (laughs) Paraphrase podcast, but... Uh, I think that barbecue is the way to go. 
Yeah, he's like, uh, I'll have, I'm paraphrased, Prince Fetcharas of Prince <laughs> Fetcharas Palace. Lots of alliteration going on, I'm paraphrased this week. <laughs> and finally, Jess, who do we think was going to get on the elephants? I guess my main question is, do elephants cause CTE? Mm. <laughs> well, that that is a tweet that we got from somebody wondering that exact thing. Um, ultimately, I do think we have to consider that um, which of the two of them is more of an indoor kid? And ultimately, who would make better television? And Stephen purports to be all about adventure. And But I do think the question was, who likes to be in command? And I feel like Rob, as the owner of the podcast, might mm-hmm. have stepped in and taken the elephant. Yeah, I agree with that. And the fact that he's able to co-op these directions now to his own family shows he would be naturally adept <laughs> for this task. Bye, bye! Yeah, no, I would I, I would love to have uh, ridden the elephant. Yeah, Steven does do like adventurous stuff like on the down low that uh, he goes like on. He went on like a, uh, like a boat that was like re- like following like the foot like Shackleton's. Uh, uh, he went on a copy of Shackleton's boat. He didn't go where Shackleton was. <laughs> I mean, still, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, you couldn't pay me to do yeah. that. So, uh, no, I, I feel like I feel like Steven's love for Shackleton informs my fan fiction about how you guys would have done on the amazing race yes so steven is uh adventurous in uh some some other interesting ways yes all right well i think we did a pretty good job i guess we'll see if our opinions divulge as the season progresses but it's always fun to take a look in the know it alternate universe and see (laughs) what would have happened if the know-it-alls were able to make it through laos uh, intact. Okay. Well, I know that Stephen's going to be listening intently, yes, and he yes, will as weigh he in recovers with his from own shoulder surgery. Yes. Um, Jess. Uh, so as as we close out week number two on the Amazing Race, anything else? Um, I just want to say that my fantasy team got decimated because everybody you turned them. Ooh. It's it's it's, it's not winner take all. It's uh, based on uh, performance. Oh, I don't know. We, I don't know. I guess we could have both. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever I can't remember the way we've done it, to be quite honest. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anybody cares. We had some metrics about like, did they say the episode title? Did they use a hashtag that was displayed on screen? But they've kind of dispensed with a lot of that. So it's really more like it's finish order mainly. And then there's a few bonuses for a couple of things. But yeah, um, I didn't do well in the finish order because everybody got U-turned. Okay. All right. So next week, Mike, uh, where's the amazing race headed? Vietnam. Okay. Uh, It looks like we are getting our first dance task this season. I'm surprised the amazing race was so reserved to wait until leg three, even to put a dance task in Mm -hmm. considering how much this is an amazing race. Canada. That's true. I think that's what I'm used to personally. Uh, So it looks like we're lighting up the dance floor a bit. Uh, People looking like they're in the Disney World uh, East Street Parade. Uh, We got Corinne and Liza. More animal tasks. They are working with crabs, live pinchy crabs. And it looks like the Afghanimals might have hit their zenith. They they might have a little bit of trouble in this. But again, that's amazing race editing. But uh, I'm excited. This has been... I mean, I personally had a lot of fun with this so far. And again... Maybe I'm taking the temperature of the internet wrong or from the wrong end, but it does seem like what's what's been really interesting for me is (laughs) what's been really interesting for me is watching all these people say, you know, I haven't watched the amazing race in years. Even people like, you know, even survivors like Gabby and Bradley, I see saying, well, I haven't really watched the amazing race in such a long time. Yeah, but I came back and I and I've been really enjoying it. And that's. Again, say what you want to. I understand how people quibble about how this is sort of a different season in terms of casting. But 
that's the results that I think the show wants. You want to bring new eyes or returning eyes back to the show. And I think doing it in such an entertaining way so far has been paying off in dividends uh, from a fan response. So I just cannot wait to see where we go from here. Okay. Yeah, it's super duper gratifying to not have everybody tweeting at me like, I don't watch The Amazing Race because I only like good shows like Survivor. Everybody's watching it. They see that it's good. Yeah. They see that it is a fun fun and and good good show. It's a fun and good show. Uh, Mike, how did the ratings do in week number two? Uh, Let me check that, actually. I know that we we did pretty well. uh, Second only to Survivor. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Survivor premiere, let's see, the TV ratings uh, Wednesday, Chicago Fire holds steady. Uh, the Amazing Race takes a hit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ooh. I mean, that's Uh-oh. only under, that's understandable. Uh, Amazing Race came down two-tenths of a point from its premiere, but still posted a decent 1.0 in adults, 18 to 49. I didn't get a, a, a millions amount, but it seems like it was a small hit, but that always comes from premiere to a second episode. I'll repeat what I said last week. I think CBS has found a good way to use the Amazing Race. I feel like we're getting season 32, whether that's this fall or next year. But it seems like I think, you know, it's found a good base and a good spot to put it uh, for future releases. Okay, All right. So great job uh, here tonight. Jess, uh, anything that you're looking forward to in particular next week? Um, I I'm just enjoying the season. I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to seeing more of these dynamic personalities and I'm crossing my fingers that Colin's going to drop the Zen facade any day now. (laughs) Okay. We can only hope. All right. So we are now uh, settled into our uh, weekly structure here for at least the next few weeks through uh, the end of survivor of this is how we'll do it. It will be on Thursdays. We've got the amazing race exit interview coming up after the fact and and uh, that Mike is going to be with us through uh, Mike. When, when is baby bloom due? Baby bloom is due uh, less than three weeks from today. So uh, we shall see. I guess I'll be going on my own travels through parenthood in a manner of speaking, finding my own spirit guide. Uh, maybe I'll have a, an, eventually an entire classroom full of bloom children to uh, teach various alphabets too. okay don't forget pie pie yes that'll be that'll be the first words <laughs> yes okay all right of course uh, you could follow jessica on twitter she is at haymaker hattie uh mike is at a uh, mike bloom type uh jess anything else before we listen to rupert and laura um no i think we're just gonna go straight into rupert and laura pie pie okay all right uh be sure to check out everything else that uh mike bloom is doing mike mike anything uh else you want to throw out there yeah so we're doing some fun guests this week on the uh the wrap ups we have megan z on the rhap bnb we have Haley strong on the drag race Root Cap with myself and liana as well should be uh, an exciting time and i i forgot to uh to pimp this out, but I'm doing uh, some Game of Thrones recaps as well in the little Westeros World newsletter that I did last season with. So those are up on Parade. Should be a doozy this week. Yeah, I'm going to have I'm doing a lot of uh, sideline war reporting, I feel <laughs> like. And we shall see if uh, Rob's poll gets satiated in terms of if the other power couple of uh, Masande and Grey were lived to survive. Bring balance to the, the force. Another boring TV couple. Masande and Grey Worm. Maybe that's the thing. Grey Worm has been practicing meditation since he joined the Unsullied. Don't drag me, Masande and Grey Worm stands. <laughs> Too boring, Jess. Yeah, they're going to all tweet at me now. What? Like, how dare you? <laughs> the Masande and Grey Worm stands? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's gonna somehow like it's all gonna the fall the blowout's gonna go like the blowback's gonna hit me. The Masande and Grey Worm Stannises? No. Uh, okay. I, per- I personally can't wait for no. uh, the for the the Night King to ascend on Winterfell and then just hands his little uh, the little picture of Winterfell off to the dragon, which will then do the work for him. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're going to throw it to uh, my conversation earlier today with uh, Rupert and Laura on our amazing race exit interview. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey, Rob. Rupert and Laura. Hey, how, how are you? Uh, oh, we are good, man. Okay. Well, we've been better, but you know. Yes. Uh, Darn race. <laughs> Rupert, I, I don't think that we've spoken since uh, we did your exit interview on Survivor Blood versus Water. We got to stop meeting like this. Uh, you know, these are bad circumstances. <laughs> I like it better when I make it to the end of the dark show. Not- yeah, and they give you oh, some money. Yes. yes. I know. Yes. Laura, how are you? I'm great, thanks. So, yeah, considering the circumstances, Yes. Okay. We had an amazing experience, you know. It looked like uh, it was a, a fun ride, even if it was a short one. Yes, you know. I mean, we got to go out and play around in Tokyo for a little while, and you know, uh, even though you're running around crazy, you still get to see a lot of cool stuff. And then the the out in Laos, the experience out there. Even though the elephant, the talk talk driver that had to stop for gas and we watched one team drive by. After we stopped for directions, we watched the second team drive by. Uh, you know, I mean, you still get to see some really cool places. Mm-hmm. Rupert, tell me about the elephant. Did you just get a sluggish elephant? You know, when we when I was the last one to get there, you know, you, when you saw the first few elephants coming out of there, they're coming out, they're running up to their uh, uh, their their normal handlers, and they're ready to go and go on the trail. The reason that I got that last one was because it was even afraid to come out of the pen. Oh. By the time we got it out of the pen, the first couple people were coming back. I hadn't even left the courtyard yet. Mm-hmm. It had. It was so afraid, and all it wanted to do was walk out and go find food and eat. It didn't care about the bananas I had. It wanted to go eat the grass on the side. Yeah, it was a very stubborn baby. Oh my gosh! But you know, some, you get the luck of the draw, and with us getting there last, we got the bottom of the barrel on the elephants. Was there any thought about Laura doing the uh, elephant riding uh, competition? You know, that was something that Laura actually gave to me. We were, I was hoping for a little better of a ride, you know, more like what the, one of the bigger elephants would have given, mm-hmm. but that was kind of a gift that Laura gave to yeah, me. Yeah, it's his favorite animal. It's so a spirit animal. Do that in the race, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yes, yes. Still is, you know? I I thought oh, it was uh, a a snake like Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do have snakes, and I do love snakes. But uh, I've always, I've always, you know, had that dream of of being, you know, close with the elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what's your spirit animal? 
guess I probably I'm I'm drawn to the water. I probably have to say the dolphin. You know, it sounds cheesy, but I'm a swimmer and I love the water. Mm-hmm. So I have to say dolphin. Okay, so I was curious to know <laughs> why did you guys go with the ABC challenge instead of the uh, barbecue challenge? Because I thought that that might be one uh, that might be easier to get through. You know, we talked about that for a second, but we wanted I and especially I wanted to go see the kids. We were missing our daughter. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have that little kind of glimpse back to, uh, you know, how the, our daughter the that we left behind, yes. right. you know, the connection of all the kids. And, you know, you didn't see it, but when we left there, we were in seventh place. Not great, but not terrible. Yeah. And we stayed there for a second and cheered and yelled and screamed and hooted and hollered because we did it pretty quick and had a great time getting, you know, getting to see the kids and just kind of drawing on their young energy. It was wonderful. Okay. Yeah, I, I do like cooking, but I knew it was going to be really detailed too. You know, you have to have the, it's all in the presentation and all that. You know, I remember from watching the show, of course. So, you know, and then we were drawn to the kids. So, of course, we want to go to the school and it was just a cool experience. That alphabet was tough. That was tough. <laughs> was tough. Yeah. The way they like even hold their mouths. I mean, it's just, it was some tough language. It really was. Uh, yep. And we're sweating mosquitoes, and Rupert does not stop sweating, nor do I. So. <laughs> I just thought Rupert could have speared those fish so easily. Oh, I know, you know, but that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what uh, teams that you guys were out there with uh, did you guys have a bond with? You know, almost right off the bat, we had a bond with the Afghanimals. Yeah. They kind of, especially Leo and I, kind of connecting. Uh, but we, he had the, you know, the big eyes for Ruber from Survivor, and I had the big eyes for Leo and Jamal from Afghanimals, from yeah. some basic race. It's, you know, just like, being on the Survivor, I still I like watching reality shows too, and watching Amazing Race has always been kind of cool. I never thought I'd play the darn game. I always thought I was a Survivor guy, <laughs> but you know when it's when it's offered, you know you kind of you got to take the chance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we even made a bond so much with the animals that if we could have kept up, they would have let us follow behind them. But they they left us in the dust. <laughs> we wanted to sign with the survivors, but I mean we kind of did. It was you know with Brett Brett and Chris, yeah. But, you know, survivor. You know, Eliza and Corinne. You know, I I do like them. You know, we get along, but it's they you know, didn't look we at like the good season, karma. So. We like good karma. They just. Get well, that, you know. They're calling me fat and old. You know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go to the Tokyo leg and uh, talk about that a little bit because you guys really had uh, a lot of trouble finding that Mount Fuji obstacle. Uh, w- yes. What was yes. The, the the major problem there? You know, we were still in survivor mode. We even we kept going over and over the same darn park. Mm-hmm. We couldn't uh, get it in our head. And I didn't listen to Laura about going over the other street, going crossing the street. This park was giant. I couldn't believe there's more parks to it. But if you cross these major streets, you got to another part of the park. You could. There was one walkway that we walked by that we should have, and Laura pointed out too, we should have just went over. 
I wish, honestly, we would have just stayed in the taxi and drove around like the other amazing racers did until they saw it. We instead even pulled our flashlights out and start searching for a hidden, <laughs> a hidden damn clue. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking for the clue box, we were still playing Survivor. But that's what I was saying is we were doing better in the second leg. The first leg, we learned. You know, we learned. Things aren't hidden. Things are out in the open. You got to keep running. You don't get out of the taxi until you've found something, until you're sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just use your resources a little better in Amazing Race. That learning curve, though, was tough with playing with those players. I'm just so glad that Art couldn't make it up Mount Fuji. <laughs> my gosh, oh my, I would have been devastated being the first one out of that amazing race. It was a gift, a gift from oh my God. gods. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> look, forget about what Corinne and Eliza might have said, because Rupert, I'll have you know I have on good authority, I heard from a couple of people last week, wow, Rupert looked pretty darn good in that leotard. I'm I'm partial, of course. Yeah, I've been able to keep in shape, you know, just in case I'm called out to another show out there. I want to be ready. Ready. (laughs) Um, Did you have any hesitations about going to go do this on The Amazing Race or was it an instant yes and uh, no doubts in your mind? Well, you know, when when we first got the call, and uh, they asked me if I wanted to play The Amazing Race and play it with Laura. Laura had just gotten a new job as uh, one of the floor nurses out at the, one of the uh, top hospitals here in Indianapolis. I didn't think they would even let her off to, to, to do, to go out and play. I started talking to him. I said immediately without even talking to Laura, of course I'll play. You know, if, if Laura can't play, will you pair me up with somebody else? I don't care. I'll go play. But of course they wanted Laura too, which was good. Mm-hmm. And Laura could get the time off. Now I, I'll let you talk for as long as it took you to decide. Well, um, it's a pretty amazing uh, <laughs> experience to pass up. So, you know, the lottery ticket is, you know, yeah, uh, one in eleven chance is yeah. winning a million dollars. Yes, yeah. I took a medical leave of absence. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. hush hush at the hospital. So it all worked out well. Uh, I'd be remiss yeah. if I didn't get a chance to ask uh, you two uh, a- any thoughts on Survivor: The Edge of Extinction. You know, I think it's an amazing thing what Survivor has created. That little extra part of the game where you get to that little glimmer of hope to get back in the game. And that they keep you off on this island. Oh, my gosh. It is it is sad and hilarious to watch at the same time. Yes, this is better than when you got to go to Redemption Island, right, Rupert? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. You know, Redemption Island sucks. 
It was not set up for some, you know, um, especially going with Sandestra. Exile Island, way better. You just go out there and live. I would be out there. I mean, they've got a spear. They've got snorkel and fins. I'd be out there swimming around, exploring, catching 10 pounds of fish a day, you know, eating like a king. (laughs) Okay, well, look, I I know you guys have to run. Uh, This is a very busy interview day, but I I do want to just uh, set th- set this up right now because I, I never get a chance to talk to you guys, Rupert and Laura. I want to say let's let's make a let's make a pact right now. We will do a Survivor podcast during Survivor Thirty Nine. Do I uh, do I have your word? Uh, yes. We get our schedule. Guaranteed. We will do a podcast on 39. Yeah. I'm going to, Laura, I'm going to reach out and we're going to set it up for next Survivor season. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming on. And, uh, sounds like you guys are, are, are doing great. Uh, all the best to everything else that you have going on outside of the amazing race. Uh, thank Thanks, you for Rob. having us, Rob. And, man, we love you too. You're uh, a great guy. Love, yeah. I can't wait to see you guys again. And uh, you know, all, all the best, Rupert and Laura. Uh, thanks for having us. Nice have a great day. All right, take care. Bye bye. All right, everybody. There you have it, Rupert and Laura, and uh, in good spirits after a uh, early. I mean, it was a blessing that they really should have probably gone out in that first week, and so uh, the amazing race gods were able to one get Rupert and Laura into week two, and two get uh, Rupert and Laura onto the episode where I could do the exit interview with them. So uh, very nice to uh, catch up with them, and hopefully, with uh, this will all workout where we'll get to talk to talk to Rupert about Survivor 39 coming up this fall on CBS and on Rob as a podcast. All right. So hope you guys enjoyed this format of a recap and then exit interview. And I think it's a really, really a fun season so far of The Amazing Race. Can't wait to get back into it. If you missed any of our Survivor coverage, of course, uh, that Angelina was on the know-it-alls with me. Uh, PG was here for the recap that should be up in the podcast feed and don't forget my feedback show with the mayo jar nick Mayorano, all in uh this coming weekend and then i'll get into uh this week in survivor with aj mass rob nick even need a podcast uh we'll be back as well and then the wiggle room on monday uh snow it alls on sunday night so jam-packed weekend of podcasts coming your way Thanks to the patrons of Rob is a podcast who uh, make all of this nonsense possible for more information on everything that we're doing over there and becoming a part of our Rob is a podcast patron community access to the patron only podcast feed and more. Go to Rob has a website.com slash patron. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.